Welcome to the Peace Church D Group Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Perry, the mobilization pastor and D Group leader at Peace Church. I'm here with Aaron Pierce, our multiplication pastor and leader of our discipleship ministry. This podcast is a resource to encourage, equip, and empower D Group leaders to lead their D Groups well. Welcome to episode one of the D Group Leaders Podcast. Uh, we're excited to launch this brand new podcast. It's just going to be a way for our D Group leaders to get some vital information uh, that they're going to need as they just navigate through leading a D Group. So this podcast, it exists to equip our leaders and the prospective leaders of discipleship groups with just some practical tools that they can use to better uh, lead these D Groups. So these first four episodes, they're going to cover uh, foundational material important to all D Group leaders. And then the rest of these podcasts, they'll cover practical and helpful info on specific topics that are related to D groups. So the format is going to be discussion between Aaron and myself, and we will also feature other leaders in the future as well. So what our hope is, is to simply create a library of episodes that you can use at any time as a resource to help you better lead your discipleship group. So this first episode, we're going to talk about the why and the what of D groups. So Aaron, if you would, uh, just open up with us and just share with us why are D groups so important? Why this particular method of discipleship? Yeah, so the really short and simple answer, this is going to blow your mind and everybody's listening's mind. Um, simply put, discipleship groups, or what we call D groups for short, um, they exist as a simple and practical way for us to go and make disciples. So the purpose of that is the idea that we are obviously called to make disciples, right? Like that's not negotiable. That's something that Jesus clearly commands us to do in Scripture. And yet, because of that, what we want to make sure that we're doing is providing a practical way to make it happen. So simply put, D groups exist to help us intentionally make disciples. But here's the challenge, right? So like, that's obvious, that's straightforward. But why we have to talk about this is because the challenge is the last half century, really dating back to about mid-20th century, there has been so much confusion on what discipleship is and what it means to make disciples. Just a few examples of this. The vast majority of evangelical churches have no answer to the question, how do you make disciples at your church? In fact, a, a survey was done by Lifeway, and it was approximated about 95% of pastors when asked the question, how do you make disciples in your church? They said, uh, I don't know. And so the, you can see a clear problem. One of the ways it's confusing is that we don't have any practical methods to make what is an obvious command to go and make disciples a reality because we don't have any strategies in place. Um, and really where the other layer of confusion comes into play at this is most of us have just assumed discipleship happened through regular church activity instead of owning the mission to make disciples ourselves. So for example, uh, growing up, I went to church like four days a week uh, or four times a week. You had Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, nothing wrong with those things at all. But essentially what it was is I came to a place where the pastor or a teacher taught me something and then I left and it just was assumed that if I heard enough sermons, heard enough lessons, I would somehow become a disciple or mature naturally. But when you look at the scripture, that's not what is happening with discipleship. And I'll ask you this, Brad, you've been in seminary um, where that's kind of reinforced. So for you personally, how have you been taught about discipleship? What was that like even for your experience? growing up in church. I think it's a little different for me when I think of seminary because I really did all of my seminary other than the first two semesters online. So I didn't have the face-to-face interaction with professors and and even classmates. Uh, But we did, obviously, we we covered discipleship. 
But if I go back to my time at an undergrad at Welch College, you know, I don't remember ever having anything specifically around discipleship, especially relational discipleship. Yeah. A whole lot of teaching methods, um, ways to study, uh, even personal um, personal study and, and different things like that, but nothing intentionally that I remember of this is how we actually make disciples. I mean, a very evangelistic school, very high on missions, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, very much a great commission school. But as far as the the what of discipleship, I don't really remember getting it. Other than I did have a professor that um, that I did catch that from. James Evans was one of my uh, my youth ministry professor, and one of the things that he built into uh, his into his syllabus and and what he did with us was each student had to do a one on one with him, hmm. and so we would take thirty minutes, usually two or three times a semester, and we would just walk down through the neighborhood. And it was just a time to relationally invest into us as students. And that's the first time I ever experienced relational discipleship. So it wasn't something formally taught in the school, but it is definitely something that that particular professor uh, did with me. And so that's the, the biggest thing that helped me as far as discipleship. But, but as far as I go back to thinking in seminary and even undergrad, like I don't remember anything like, like what we're talking about with D groups. Yeah. And it's kind of sad, right? Like, it's interesting what you pointed out, that you had a professor that talked about it, but then what really impacted you was those walks. Absolutely. Those one-on-one kind of meetings, that life on life. And so part of well, the— Well, honestly, okay, sorry to interrupt, but like that's what I remember from college. Yeah. I mean, it was—we're going 20 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's my takeaway. Those are the things that I remember. I can't tell you about the Psalms class, and I can't tell y'all, but I can tell you about those one-on-one talks that I had with James. right. And think about the fact that that can't happen if the only setting you're in is a large room where they're just giving you information, right? Mm -hmm. So if church is structured in such a way that there's no environments where I'm sitting up or setting myself up to be in those life-on-life relational places, then no wonder we're not seeing disciples made. Or more importantly, we personally as church members aren't owning it because we just assume the pastor is discipling us when he's preaching. And I want to make clear that's true to an extent. Like, you need, I need the preaching of God's Word. We need corporate worship as a component of God discipling us in a longer uh, viewpoint. Like, it's, it's a part of our holistic way that we grow spiritually. But that's not the primary way we make disciples, as we'll see in a second from Jesus. But when there's confusion about this, because all we've done is put ourselves in environments where we're not close quarters, we're not in those relational settings, now all of a sudden we're like, okay, well, how do I make disciples? Right? And so D groups, again, exist as a specific way to make that happen. And we're saying this because you as leaders know this, but to reinforce it to you that when you get people in your groups, they've probably never experienced what you're doing. They've, right. Their view of church has been, I go, I sit, I hear a sermon, maybe take a class or something. Again, all good information, mm-hmm. but nobody's really sat across the table and, and done life with you. And, and I'll tell you why that's so important, because a person like myself, maybe for you it's different because you're more extrovert mm-hmm. than I am. I'm more of an introvert, so even in those small classroom settings, like I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, like I had small classes even in college or small, like, Sunday school classes or whatever you want to do, I wasn't talking. I'm going to sit back and I'm, you're not getting into my life because I'm not letting you because I'm more introverted. Maybe the extroverted person, they're going to ask questions and, and engage, <laughs> but dude, I wasn't going to do that. So a D group for someone like me, like that's the chance that I have to actually 
allow someone to invest into my life. Absolutely. And it's not natural to do that in big crowds anyways. And even as an extrovert, I'm only going to go so far with somebody in a room full of 30 versus, you know, five people across the table. Uh, so that those are just some examples of confusion. And, and the last one I want to bring up that ties all these together, even if even as we talk about discipleship, it's being talked about more in churches now. But when we say the word discipleship, one of the big problems is we all have different definitions. So, for example, uh, you guys listening, many of you know uh, Doug Rogers. He was the pastor here before me doing outreach and discipleship. I think he came in like 2007, maybe 2008, maybe a little before then. Um, Doug really introduced Peace Church to this concept of intentional discipleship. And here's what's interesting. Doug and I had this conversation back in 2015 when I went to Mexico. And if you know Doug, like, dude is just like, incredible evangelist disciple maker like he eats and breathes this stuff I mean it is just in his DNA and he's going gangbusters in Mexico right now it's incredible to see that really honestly a disciple making movement that's taking place through his ministry but one of the things he shared with me when he was here he was still you know working through his own philosophy of discipleship he had been a missionary's kid and seen it done but now you know kind of leading a ministry it was different in an American context so he was trying to figure that out and one of the things if in that teaching, if you were a part of ministry here at that time, they implemented kind of the directions uh, book that was one of those intentional disciple-making materials. But here's what's so funny about when Doug and I talked. Doug introduced that material as a way to kind of help people grow. But even within his own philosophy, he talks about the seven levels of discipleship, which is a really helpful framework. The directions book itself was never meant to be the end all. It was level two or three, I believe, of the whole process that included more than just directions. But, but what happened is, because we're very program-oriented, we tend to take that book and think, okay, this is all discipleship is. Right. It's me filling in these blanks. It's me meeting with you for 15 weeks. When I'm done, I'm now a mature disciple. The challenge with that is it, it was, for one, not the intention of that ever in the first place. Yeah, and I also think in defense of our people, that's kind of the way we communicated it. Yeah, as for a sure. Because we were still, like you said, not just Doug, but especially us as a staff, like we were trying to develop our philosophy of what discipleship is because we had never been intentional about that before. Right. So I think the way that we communicated that was part is part of that problem. Absolutely. And then even for me, the first few years I was here trying to figure these things out, Help. In fact, Doug's conversation helped me realize he never even intended that to be discipleship, but a piece of the whole process. Yeah. But what got lost in translation was that is discipleship. And so unfortunately, when we say the word discipleship, even here at Peace, if you ask different people, some people will say, oh, it's a D group. Some people will say, oh, it's me going to church. It's me taking a Bible study class on Wednesday night. It's me doing uh, directions, right? Like, we even still struggle with the clarity of definition. And so if I say discipleship from the pulpit, depending on what your understanding of it is, without me defining it, you're going to hear something different. And so again, all of this creates confusion on what is discipleship. And by implementing something like D groups, we're trying to say definitively, this is our intentional structure for the highest level of discipleship. We'll talk through that more next week, uh, or sorry, in the second part of this. But that is what we are getting at. So, Brad, like as we think through that, uh, when you think through all those challenges and confusions, I'm sure we're kind of wondering what's the solution, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the solution is obviously let's go look in, at the way Jesus made disciples. Like, let's model 
our philosophy and our methods after what Jesus did. And so that's what we want to talk about now as, as we wrap this up, uh, just briefly. So how did Jesus make disciples, Aaron? So simply put, if we're going to, like you said, follow the way, we've got to follow the disciple maker. And here's just four quick things as we wrap up this part of this episode. Number one, he had meaningful relationships with a few. So we can't ignore the fact that Jesus' plan to set something up to change the world was not to go grab massive audiences, have huge productions. Now, it's not that he never taught crowds, he did. But scholars will say about 85% of his time was devoted to 12 guys, Mm -hmm. his 12 disciples as we know them, right? So he went deep with a few instead of surface level with many, which is so counterintuitive to the way we think we're going to impact people. As much as I like preaching to a crowd, if I'm really going to impact their life, I have to go deep with just a few. And so that's the first principle we see how Jesus made disciples. Secondly, he equipped them to grow themselves, not just doing the work for them. Jesus didn't just say, here's how you do it, here's the plan, how to pray, here's how you read your Bible. He did certainly instruct them in these things, but he actually had them do it. Right? Like If you go through the Gospels, he's having them cast out demons. He's having them answer questions. You know, one of the most frustrating things about when you read the Gospels, if somebody asks Jesus a question, he always asks them a question back. Mm-hmm. Very rarely does he straightforward answer them, and he's doing that to help them earn, or sorry, own their faith and think through it, and not just, um, you know, kind of give them the information. Uh, thirdly, he held them accountable to be obedient. So, when you see different times, Jesus sends out, you know, the twelve in pairs. At one point, he sends out the seventy-two, and they go out and they go door to door. In, I believe it's Luke chapter 10 or 11. I think it's 10. He sends them out 11. They come back. He, he debriefs with them. So there's these kind of, hey, how did you do? What are you doing? What was your struggles? And you kind of see these conversations happening. And not to mention, he at other times calls them out when they do something wrong or say something wrong. And so there's this constant accountability to obey what he says. And then he even says things like, if you love me, you keep my mm-hmm. commands. Not just if you love me, you'll learn about me. There's this obedience tied to it, and that's also given in the Great Commission, right? He says, go and make disciples by baptizing them and then teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Not just teaching you what it is, but actually helping you do it. That that only comes through accountability, which we'll talk in detail next week. But Yeah, for sure. And I think just to add on as we wrap this up, um, we think about, like you said, he equipped them to grow themselves. So as we think, that's our biblical job description as pastors, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Like, we can't really equip people in a classroom setting. Mm-hmm. We can't really equip people from the pulpit. We can tell them things, but as far as, like, actually equipping them, we can't prepare them to go out and do it unless we've got that relationship. So you think about parenting. Like, I know my job as a parent is, is to equip my child to become an adult, to live on their own. Like, that doesn't happen with me just telling them what to do. Like, I have to show them how to do that. I have to show them how to do the laundry, show them how to do the dishes, show them how to manage their money. You know, all of these things, it, I, I show them, but and then I give them the experience of actually doing that. And Absolutely. so that classroom setting, you don't get that opportunity. That's why the D group is so important, and that's obviously what Jesus did. Right. And to your point, that's why, like, we've structured things the way we have um, because it's so important in those aspects. And the last thing we see from Jesus is just that he prepared them to repeat the process with others. When he says go and make disciples, they're not standing around going, I don't know what to do. 
they knew to repeat what he did, and that's exactly what happens in the book of Acts. So by definition, our strategy for disciple-making has to be reproducible, not just something only elite Christians can do, but actually anybody can take the process that they were discipled in and then do it with someone else. So we will tie all that up and, and give you the explanations of how, but just know like these are the baseline principles for why we do D groups, and the next time we'll talk more about the what. Yeah. So, man, Aaron, thanks so much. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. And just want to encourage you, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. It'll be available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I mean, anywhere you listen to your podcast, this podcast will be there. So just go ahead, click subscribe on that, and then these podcasts will automatically go to your device uh, so you can listen to them weekly. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Yeah.